Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tribe Method Podcast, where we help gym owners, coaches, and trainers run better businesses and inspire healthier humans. My name is Evan Bardis. I'm your host and the head of marketing here at Tribe, a powerful gym management platform designed to help you build your fitness community. Now, let's get started. Okay, hey guys, welcome to the Tribe Method Podcast. I'm here with a super special guest today, Austin Maliolo, an eight-time CrossFit Games athlete, a member of the CrossFit HQ seminar staff. He's a general manager of Reebok World HQ and uh, owner and head coach of CrossFit One Nation and Hamplin. Uh, he's actually a founder of uh, Hamplin, which is his own uh, separate business entity. So um, did I miss anything in that that smooth, <laughs> slick intro? Um, I mean... No, I mean, that's some other courses that we we recently just now I own with a few others, the Coach Development Program okay. and Advanced Coaching Concepts course, Brilliant. which are, um, they used to be uh, CrossFit specialty courses, but since uh, some transition now, we are uh, CrossFit preferred courses. So uh, myself, Denise Thomas, and James Hobart, we own the Coach Development Program. And then myself and um, Eric O'Connor, who's a, a flow master as well and some of our staff, we own the Advanced Coaching Concepts course, formerly known as the CrossFit Competitors course, which we've rebranded and changed and tweaked some of the material to the, uh, to the new course. That's fantastic. How do I get the name Flowmaster? Yeah, I mean, it does, it, it is a, when you tell someone outside the CrossFit community that name, it's, it's almost sounds like something from like Harry Potter or something like no, that. It just sounds like, yeah, it sounds like, like you're magic, a wizard or something. Doji, yeah. like just chill, relaxed, like movement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love it. I mean, like on paper, I think it's core supervisor, which does not sound as cool. No, so master, way better. Yeah. I mean, really all that means is, you know, how to keep a timeline and start and stop things. So you just keep the flow. Got it. Um, I'm going to start off with a, a quick one just because I know through friends of friends, of course, that, that we share. Um, you ran the Boston Marathon recently. Yeah. Was that, was that your first marathon? Yeah, first marathon. Can you, so you and, – and I also saw that you, I think, pulled a 600-pound deadlift that morning, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. can you tell me about that? Why, why did you do that? And right. uh, how was training for that marathon? Um, yeah, so – we, I w- we were asked by, um, so Reebok has an organization called Box, which is essentially a, you know, um, Kathleen Tully started it. It's an awesome, simple organization that say, hey, we need to get kids working out more and moving before school. And obviously that's right congruent with what we do every day in a CrossFit gym. We love movement. We love starting kids young. The thing that everyone that does CrossFit says, I wish I could have started sooner, right? So you might as well start with the youth. So right. she, the founder of the organization like, hey, we'd love for you to run the Boston Marathon and raise money for Box Kids. So obviously the answer was yes, it'd be an honor. Um, so that's how, you know, that's how we got into the marathon because oftentimes I'll tell people, I'm like, oh, you qualified. I was like, I did not qualify with a sub three-hour marathon, which I think for my age group would be so far from. So once we got the invite, which was, uh, you know, super humbling and, and certainly living in Boston for 10 years now, it's, it's a special race to even just be a part of. Um, the training was – it was, I really didn't train for it. That was, a, that was on purpose. So when I, when I, had, when I had the idea to all right, well, run it, I thought to myself, well, at CrossFit seminars at, you know, level ones and level twos, we talk often about this notion of variance that, you know, if you do CrossFit methodology appropriately, it allows you to, you know, go very, very short and heavy with your heavy lifts and also go very long. And I think, you know, for myself competing in the, in, in the years past, lifting heavy was something you just do that as part of competing, whether it's snatching, deadlifting, so on and so forth. But I, I had never run a marathon before, let alone a half marathon. I think the longest I've ever run was like 10 miles. And it was within a workout. I think it was like Clovis or something <laughs> like that. Um, and so I, th- I had the great idea. I was like, well, let's just practice what we preach. I'm not going to specifically train for the marathon. I'll dose in a couple higher distance runs. And I'll try to deadlift 600 pounds the same day to prove that you can lift heavy weights and wrong long distance from just doing CrossFit. Um, if, if I were to have lifted 600, uh, which I was able to do, it would have been a 30-pound PR. So I was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to, you know, oh, PR a little bit. Um, and then obviously run, which would have been a PR. So I ran 12 miles once um, <laughs> leading up to the marathon. You know, I did a couple five, six, and sevens, but I mean, no more than 10 runs across, you know, five, six months, something like that. Quite frankly, I was just, it was so boring for me to run that long. And I was, I actually fell more in love with CrossFit training because of how efficient it is. We forget that, you know, like where I had to go out and run for two hours. Oh my God. What I could have done in the gym for two hours 
would have made me feel way more fulfilled than just running around. Um, but I did gain a massive amount of respect for the endurance community because those wild animals are running for two, three hours all of the time. <laughs> you know, and so like, and oftentimes people have jobs and lives, so they're waking yeah. up. You know, I, mean, I mean, if you drive to work at like five in the morning, you see people running. They've probably been running for an hour and they're gonna run for another hour. Um, so I do think training for the, uh, you know, an endurance sport is unbelievable amount of commitment. And I think that in the CrossFit world, we sometimes disrespect a little bit. We're like, you know, I do CrossFit because I'm big and strong, but you have to be a, a, a mentally strong human being to run that long that fast if you're now you run at any any clip and um for that many days in a row because it's, it's it's not super fun sometimes when you're banged up but so i learned a lot which was part of the process too i think that if we talk about things certainly from you know training methodology i believe you should walk the walk you know if you're going to talk about it you have to be about it and so that was a big thing for me um and i knew i was going to blow up in the run i just didn't know when right? of course you know you don't train 20 miles plus at around 20 miles plus is when it happened. So at about 20 miles is when I blew up, um, on the run, which I expected. And then at that point just becomes will right and heart, put one leg in front of the other. And you, you know, you can and what happens at this 20 mile mark, you just feel like, well, I'm done with this. My body is shutting down or, or how bad is it? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where, you know, like it's a, it's a feeling you've never felt before, right? I've never felt that before you feel like you're running, but if you were to have like watched from the sidelines, like, okay, that person's shuffling there, you know, I mean, there's literally from what looked like 70 year old women passing me, you know, and like, you know, like, like 80 year old men, it was amazing. You know, I'm like, gosh, and they're just like moving. And I'm just, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it just, every part of you is like, like, man, this is not fun. This hurts. But like the other side of you, like it's six miles. I've run six miles before. I've never felt six miles four, three, two, the last, whatever. I've never felt like that. Um, but, you know, I was able to, I ran in 427, I think, was the time. And so, you know, our goal, our goal, our goal is to hold the nine-minute pace, which would have been just right, right at that four. So we fell off in the last six miles. But um, what it proved is that, you know, you don't need to, you know, run all the time to be able to run a marathon. If you want to run a fast marathon, you got to run more. No different. If, if I want to deadlift 800 pounds, I'd have to deadlift more, right? So, but what it did prove is that it, by doing variance, functionality, intensity, and, you know, do, you know, putting in a few runs just so your body has that time under tension so you don't fully fall apart, there's not much you can't do. You're, and like we preach, you're not going to turn any heads. You're not going to set any records. But you're hard to kill, and if you have a task, you most likely can at least accomplish it. You're not going to set any records, but you can do some cool stuff. Yeah. If I were to be truly ego driven and do it again i would do like fran and then 30 muscle ups for time in the same day because then because then it becomes not many humans in the world could do that so like it was never about doing stuff that no one else could do it got turned into that like a couple news stories went out that and they were like how many people in the world did this and then all these people came out of the woodworks still don't know anyone that did it in the same day but you know you had people that ran like an ultra marathon on monday and deadlifted 600 pounds on friday it's still amazing, yeah. but ultra know. marathon runners, Jesus. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, okay, that's a hundred. I don't understand. Yeah, it, that's, but. that's, that's where you are running for, you know, the better part of a day. Yeah. That's, and I don't know. Nah. That's like, it's like, oh, I'll just pass. That's like saying, do, do air squats for 24 hours. Are nope. we raising money for something? Right. It's like, that's the thing. It's like, nope, I'm, I'm good. Cause right. something you know, about my mechanics doesn't feel like exactly. It's yeah, work it's like, out that way. And that we forget that about running where it's like, if you, the smallest error across thousands of repetitions adds up. No different than a small error at your heaviest load is, can be catastrophic. That's right. So people, and running is no different. Like you see people running and they're like bow-legged or they have horrible form. Right. I mean, and, and you know, the problem is, is oftentimes people are like, well, how do you get better at running? Run more. Well, I mean, imagine if like, how do you, you know, yes, there is some merit to that. Like you could go deadlift every day, never get coached. And over 10 years, you're going to get stronger. But I always say, that, well, the role of a coach is to take that 10-year journey that you'd be alone and shrink it down to two years and have less injuries. And that's, what a, that's the coach's job. Yeah. So. And speaking of coaches' jobs, I mean, you've done a lot of work, clearly, with, with coach development programs and, and involvement inside of CrossFit. Um, and I know you've covered some of this, but I think it's very valuable, for, especially for our listeners to hear. Like, what, what would you determine as the top quality for an effective coach? Mm. 
It's a great question. Um, I really think the most important quality, so I, I think that there's a, if you're in the world of coaching, you have to care about people. You have to give a shit, right? I almost think that, that at this point, that has to be a given, right? So if you're there, you're in this conversation, right? It's no longer enough. I think that awareness of yourself and others, I think is the most important characteristic a coach can have. I can teach anyone how to teach the incorrect. It's, that's, it's like memorizing something, it's, it's learning. Some may take longer than others, but I, that, that's a skill set. Some will be better than others based off you know, innate ability, right? But the best coaches that, 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 that grow from good coaches, that grow from novice and green coaches, have the ability to read a room, to read individuals, and themselves, you know, where the best coaches can walk, can walk into a class if there's 10 athletes, and within five minutes, they know how they're going to handle each athlete. And that is a really hard skill to teach. Um, and I think that's what separates the best from other coaches. And you have to be okay with, like, how do you, if it's not a natural skill, how do you hone that skill? Uh, sort of that, the people skills piece. I mean, you're dealing with human beings in an environment where they are very raw. I mean, they're, they're doing movement that they're not great at. They're working hard. They're pushing to the brink of their threshold. So it's not, you know, it's not about, you know, your ability to, you know, can you, can you see points of performance and can you correct this or that? It's underwhelming to me, those skills. Because I've seen some of the most technically profound coaches, people that know everything, and they just suck because they're not interesting. They're not fun. They're not perceptive. I mean, you just think about coaches that you remember, mentors that you remember. They were people that actually made an impact on you that were able to understand you. You're not like, man, my best teacher in chemistry really could, you know, talk about covalent bonds better than anyone else. No, they were just like, whatever they did, they connected with you to the point where you actually listened and learned. And that's what you need to do. I remember walking this you know, morning after class, and he just came up and he said, thank you. Like, you know, I was with uh, Denise next to me, and he was like, we were like, well, you're welcome. He goes, you've changed my opinion on how I view myself and how I view what my body can do. And, you know, you, you make me feel welcome and happy every day. He didn't say, you know, gosh, you guys are so technically proficient at, you know, teaching rowing. He, I mean, he, he spoke nothing about that. He said how we made him feel. Yeah. So I think that it, and if you do that, then you open the door to then affect human movement and change and things like that. So I think that's, um, unfortunately an esoteric answer but you know it's a you give me five coaches with the same you know credentials you know one could be completely useless in the gym and one could be the best and, and there's nothing on paper that's going to tell you you know why yeah and so i guess you, you probably answered my next question but i'm going to ask it anyway because I, I think it's worth bearing uh you know just repetitive thought on do you think that you know is it the primary role of the coach to ensure uh, proper progression through a, t a particular movement, mm -hmm. or do you think their role is really as like uh, an energy, like a, uh, a person who delivers high energy? Yeah. In other words, like, is it solid or is it the goal of a coach to get people to move effectively and, and see the maximum results? Or is it their job to get the member to come back? Well, I think the, in order to achieve the first question, you need to achieve the second question, right? You can't affect change unless they come, right? You can't affect change unless they're consistent. And you also can't affect change unless you can effectively communicate. So it's like, it's, it's, it's not one or the other, which is, this is what makes coaching super difficult. You know, all right, well, I got a, I have a coach that is very, you know, they're, they're very good at their lesson plan, their instruction, but they're just boring. They're, you know, they don't know how to handle the energy, the music is that. So what happens? People aren't listening anymore. They're bored. They're checked out. So they have all this knowledge to give, but it's boring. It's not fun. So then they stop coming to that class or whatever it might be. On the other side, right, classes are super fun. And, and, this, is the, and this is the novice's curse because usually you see it this way, right? High energy coaches, super enthusiastic. I mean, this is unfortunately the majority of, of, of gyms. Caring people. 
they're just not able to teach the movement, see the movement, correct the movement, progress people pr appropriately, scale them effectively, give them the appropriate stimulus for the workout for that day. But man, it's a good time. Everyone likes having a good time. And CrossFit methodology implemented poorly is going to get you better. Ineffective, like non-optimal programming implemented ineffectively will get you results. I mean, when I started doing CrossFit on my own, I did everything wrong, and I got better. Which is absurd. Right. And, but, in, but, in what other, in what other dis discipline can you see that? Exactly. Right? And, and, and anyone that started CrossFit 10 plus years ago is in the same boat. They, they didn't move well. I mean, I, I, didn't, I, mean, I, just, I saw a movement. I did it. I mean, but that's how potent it is, and th that's also the curse. So what ha ends up happening is that's going to mask over time, and then over time what you're going to start to see is, you know, your athletes are hitting the ceiling. They might be getting injured more, whatever it might be. And then you're going to start to see a drop-off. Whereas you, you often don't see the coach that's super technically proficient on, you know, in the beginning and then because it just doesn't work that way. Nowadays, you're seeing a little more. People come in and they're like, you know, I have my level three and I'm really good at this, this, or that. You know, give me a full-time job. <laughs> like, no. You know, like join the gym before you, you know, want a job. But... I think that's the, the challenge is that it's easy. I mean, because it, it, it's nice to make people feel happy and excited. And you come in and chest bumps and high fives and crank the music. And I mean, that's, unfortunately, that's like you walk into a lot of these um, niche gyms, right? Like uh, these boot camp style gyms, and they're super popular. It's not hard to make a hard workout, right? It's, it's, it, is, it takes zero skill, right? It is not hard to create good energy. It's called a good playlist, right? Man, I know a lot of DJs out there, and, and on the nights of their shows, they press play. You know, like, boom. And they're really good at it, right? So you can take that from them, right? And then creating an, 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 an ambiance or energy, great. Turn the lights down, and you're good to go, right? And so now you have this energy, and you have this, we can battle rope and burpee and ball slam and do all this stuff, and, and you're going to work hard, and you're going to throw up or whatever it is, and you'll be like, wow, it was great. So... But over time, it, 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 it's unfulfilling for multiple reasons. We don't have to dive into that. But so there's a lot of easy ways to, you know, almost seem like you're effective at what you're doing. And, and that's sort of the paradigm that's falling into the cross world now is that, you know, you're up against all of those entities. You know, it's like, well, what do you stand for? What do you do? What don't you do? And I have nothing wrong with people who are doing that. It's like better than nothing. I mean, I have half of my members will do that stuff once in a while. There's nothing wrong with that. But know that. An effective coach, their job is way bigger than just energy, way bigger than just teaching, seeing, correcting. And it's hard work. I mean, you become a, a you know, virtuoso in your respective field. You're not, you know, a cheerleader. And you're also not a technician. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's also a novelty to it, like you mentioned, when first people first come in and just simply showing up, you know, doing hard work for you know, the first time in maybe a long time, they're gonna start seeing results. Yeah. Is there a general time frame where you you kind of look at and you see you know, let's say regardless of the coach, you know, that this person is going to start kind of tapering off, almost like they, they become a potential retention threat. Yeah. Um, it's, no, the, I think that the way I look at it as you're going to see about six months in, in, in a traditional, you know, CrossFit gym, if we're doing things somewhat correctly, you'll see six months of, of unbelievable gains, six months to a year. Really depends on when you how, what you come in with, right? right like, right. you know, you come you have someone that comes in that's unbelievably fit, has a base which is rare. It's going to be a little different, but most people come in looking to get in shape, right? That's what we want. Right. You're going to see about six months to a year of changes that will are, will, will blow their mind, and that's also a blessing and a curse because they get used to these massive changes. But like anything, as you progress in life, like you're not going to see these huge changes forever. They'll slow down. The problem is, is that like you said, it's consistency will get changed. And the next thing you know, like you're moving a barbell for the first time. So you're going to start to see this just other change in your body from actually lifting weights for most people the first time in their life. Flexibility from just putting your positions. All these things just happen. Right. But then a year in, it's all right, well, I got to get skills now. I want to, no, so now it turns, all right, you know, form follows function, which means we need to increase function if we want to start to look better, right? So oftentimes people chase, I want to look good naked. Well, how do we do that? taking nutrition and assuming we're doing that correctly, you need to do more. The, the people that can do the most amount of things often look the best, right? I mean, the CrossFit Games are a beautiful expression of that. But you look at a power lifter, 
they don't you know they'll ask that's them. an expression of that exactly you look at a, 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 a marathon runner's expression of that you look at you know our top crossfit athletes like okay you know if you, if from what the human body's capable of doing we're expressing the broadest spectrum of functionality right so they look good form follows function so therefore as coaches we need to get them to do more you need to be a better coach to do that you need to be able to teach the smaller things. How do I take you, you know, from that strict pull-up to that gymnastic pull-up to that butterfly pull-up? How do I take you from, you know, a muscle-up transition on, on, on the rings, on the ground, to a strict muscle-up to, you know, kipping muscle-ups to stringing those together? How do I take you from, you know, a, a piked push-up to a handstand hold to strict handstand push-ups to kipping handstand push-ups? And then how do I do that in a class of mixed ability? And that's hard, you know, and, and that's, that is what separates the good coaches. And unfortunately, you know, if you have a 10-year affiliate, now a five-year affiliate, you're going to have people in class that are looking for kipping handstand push-ups that are, and now people have, don't, when you say handstand push-up, they get nervous. And how do you add value to both of them? And that's where we start to see the drop-off because unfortunately to the newer coach, to the inexperienced coach, if I just said, all right, you have a, a beginner in your gym doesn't know anything, you have a, 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 a veteran, five-year plus. Who do you guys spend more time with? Who would, who, 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 who? I would spend more time with the beginner. Of course. Most people would say that, right? Right. Because you're going to look at them and be like, okay, you're a soup sandwich. You're a me- <laughs> right? you're, uh, 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 how do I handle that, right? Well, in reality, you really can spend less time with them, right? Because like we just said, anything they do will get them better. Treat them like, a, like, your, like your child, Children learn by watching other people. Think about when you grew up. Did anyone tell you how to play around in the backyard? You watched what your friends did, tried to do it, succeeded or failed sometimes. Yeah, I just romped around and watched what other people did. And you learned, right? Exactly. So give them a PVC pipe. Say, hey, look at that person and do what they do. Cool. They're going to get better. You're going to give them one cue and be like, wow. You just told me to squeeze my butt. I never felt that in my life before. Open my hips. Wow, thank you. You tell them to pull their chest up and their eyes light up, right? The advanced athlete, the is someone that you have to work hard to coach. You gotta see a lot of reps to see the smaller error, to tweak that, to give them something, or else you're gonna continually ignore them. They don't get better, they leave. Because people leave gyms for one reason. They don't get results, or they're not aware of the results they're getting, both of which is the coach's fault. It's that simple. Right? No one's ever left the gym or complained about programming or whatever. My God, this gym sucks. You know, my body fat's going down. I'm getting better. My lifts are going up. My times are going down. Everything's getting better. But this place sucks. <laughs> Never, yeah. you, no. Coaching is a secret weapon. Yeah, and, and, and almost more importantly to that, it's awareness of. People walk into gyms and do things every day that they've never done in their life before, but the coach doesn't highlight it. Or their programming doesn't allow them to actually garner new skills. That's another problem that, that I believe we see at most affiliates. They're worried about doing too much, making things hard or voluminous as opposed to getting new skills. So you can't celebrate the first time you've hung on the pull-up bar for longer than 10 seconds. Right. And that's, that's life-changing for people. Get someone upside down for the first time since they were a kid. That's, I mean, I've had people cry in my class because I never thought they could do that. And that was in the skill session of a work. We, didn't, we, weren't, we were warming up and changed this person's life because it was part of, this, of the class. If I had some sort of strength portion beforehand, they would never have that opportunity to learn a skill. Right. So that's, I think that's also another big issue is just giving people the opportunity to learn. And that's what separates us from, you know, boot camp one, two, three down the road. They go to that not to learn, just to get smashed in the ground. Awesome, go to that. But you're not going to learn new skills. You're just going to smash yourself in the ground. Yeah. And so just we need to make sure we differentiate if that's what we want to do. Yeah. Do you, do you view programming as, as a differentiation for a business and how much does it matter? How much should gyms be, how much time should gyms be spending on it? Gosh. Cause you hear programming yeah. thrown out all the time from yeah. individuals, from businesses and yeah. programming is what makes them different. Mm. I guess the question is, does it, how, and yeah. if it doesn't, why are people spending so much time trying to work on that? I love it. If you just asked me, does, is programming a differentiator? And I would say, no. How it's implemented is a differentiator. So I give you, which I do to many people, programming. If you don't implement it correctly, it's useless. 
it is utterly useless. So is it a differentiator in and of itself? Absolutely not. Right? I mean, there's enough programming out there for you to find proven and tested workouts that are great. But if I, get, if I push a workout in front of you, so all right, here's your workout. It's 10-minute MRAP of five power cleans, 15 wall balls. Power cleans are at 135.95. Wall balls are at 20 pounds, 14 pounds to a 10-foot target. Without any explanation, you have no idea how to implement that appropriately. Right? You, know, you could, great, let's do it. And you go in there and you say, okay, guys, this, here's the workout. Here's the extreme example. If you can't do this workout, as it's written, get out. <laughs> I know it's the extreme example, but that's what I'm talking about, how programming is useless without proper implementation. You laugh because you know that you can scale. Right. Right? But most coaches don't actually understand how to do that effectively. So the, that extreme example is actually just happening across a full hour. We're not explaining the intended stimulus. We're not warming them up appropriately. We're not teaching them how to you know, get new skills. Do, are we cycling the barbell? Are we doing you know, singles? How do we teach that? What are the finer points of that? You know, what's the focus point? How do we teach a wall ball? What do we want to do? Are, are they unbroken wall balls? Like they're an, it, there's a squat in there. There's a press in there. There's a quarter extremity expression of handoff from the hips to the hands. There's a recoil down. There's all these things that we can teach. What's the point? What's the focus? How many rounds should we be getting? Should it be one to three rounds? Should it be seven to eight rounds? Who are we programming for? That matters because then, that's, then who do we scale for? How many people in the gym should be doing this workout prescribed? How many people should be scaling? How do we deal with injuries? What, what, what stimulus are you trying to preserve for? All of these questions need to be answered by the programmer and then disseminated to the coaches to then effectively implement the programming. So... I'm super passionate about that because obviously, as you say, we, we give programming um, and that's what I believe. You actually, hey, what, what does the hand plan do? We, yeah, we, do we sell programming? Yes, but more importantly, we try to teach our affiliates and therefore their coaches how to implement the programming effectively. And in turn, it's, a, it's a, about the lesson plan. What are we doing for the hour? Programming is so easy. Programming for an hour-long class with mixed abilities is very difficult. I can program a week out, a month, whatever it might be, not that long. Yeah, maybe an hour, which is not, you know, a lot of work. If you think about, I'm programming a month's worth of workouts. Making a, a week's worth of lesson plans, six hours. To support the workout. Correct. So, you know, if I give, I'll give you two pages of, of a lesson plan to support the workout with scaling options, stimulus, goals, warm-up, specific warm-up, cool-down, uh, focuses, teaching points, progressions, all that stuff. That takes about six hours for a week to do because this is ex I'm explaining top-level stuff, and then how do you do it, right? How do I implement that for my classes? And that is the differentiator. That's what separates. And it's, you know, I, again, an interaction yesterday with someone at our gym. They're sitting down after the workout. It was or two days ago, and the workout was uh, – Interval, Helen. So you, every four minutes, you have to do run 400 meters, then do 21 kettlebell swings, 12 chest bar pull-ups. So you start a new round every four minutes for five rounds. Coach's job's big here. I need everyone to be done around between three to three and a half minutes, every single person. I got to work. I make sure I got my class of 20 people all scaled correctly, which means I, in the, at warm-up, I have to assess my butt off because right? everyone overestimates their ability or underestimates. Very rarely do people understand their bodies, right? I mean, and we can't expect them to. That's why they're coming to the gym. Exactly. And most people think they're better than they are. We're human, right? Right. So I got to, you know, so at the end of the class, luckily, I got everyone to finish in that time. And I was talking to one of the coaches and, and he was, you know, or one of the uh, athletes and he said, man, he's been doing CrossFit for 10 years. He's traveled all around the world, gone to gyms. He goes, it's just, it's so different when, and he just got back from a trip. He's like, it's so different when, you, you go to a gym where coaches just are not, it's not even that they're bad. They're just, they're not, you know, at the level of here. And it was a nice compliment. I appreciated it. But what I got from it was that, you know, he realizes as an athlete when he's being taken care of, he never says the programming was, he never, he never comes back and remembers, like, oh man, that program, like, it's about the coaching. They always reference the coaching, which is nice. It means that myself and the team at the gym have done something right, but they're never like, man, that workout was awesome or blah, 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 blah. They always talk about how it was implemented, how 
and also how the class, I mean, they're not stupid. They're like, man, this person next to me was really struggling. They, you know, clearly they weren't scaled appropriately is what they were saying. And so that's where the differentiators and members that will start to see that that's where the, com the competition comes into play. Members will start to understand that only if they leave, right? It's like, if you never leave your house, your house is the best house in the world. This minute you start, you know, perspective is amazing, right? We get that as we start to grow up. It's like, wow, you know, yeah, there's, you know, you, you travel outside the United States. Wow, there's more than the United States of America. This is mind blowing, right? right? Like you learn that just from that perspective. So if your members never leave your gym, do whatever you want. <laughs> You have no other gyms in the area. Who cares? Yeah. But, you know, so I think that's the big differentiator. And why would, why would it, I mean, you kind of outlined certainly a lot of the value that you bring to, to people through Hamplan and through your partnership with some of these affiliates. Mm -hmm. What, I guess, what inherently in a gym owner's process would indicate to them, like, you know what, I should probably be outsourcing this or, or partnering with someone else who's, who's better at it than I am. Yeah. I, I think that. I think there's probably two groups of people and sort of empirically that we've seen that we've worked with. I think first off, there's nothing wrong with people that want a program and program in there. I think it's an important journey. Um, I think we, new gyms um, and, and owners or coaches that might realize that, hey, like I'm doing a lot, starting a business and all this other stuff. So, um, and I want to make sure I'm doing things correctly. I want to learn. So I think like that's a good group of people that might be in the business to outsource, right? All right, so it's 200 bucks a month. What does that mean? It's about a membership or a membership and a half, depending on where your gym is located, right? That's an easy math equation, right? If it's taking me six hours a week plus to program effectively across a month, do that math, that's your hourly rate is pretty cheap, right? So also, what's your hourly time worth? You, so newer affiliate owners, newer coaches, this allows you to actually be doing what you need to be doing the most is spending time with your people, getting people in the door, keeping them there, getting to know them. You don't affect your members by sitting behind a computer screen. You affect them by being in front of them, talking to them, getting to know them. So if it's taking me six hours a week, and remember, we're good at this too. It's like, you know, it's me and three others as well. There's a lot of minds behind it. So in the beginning, it's going to take you twice as long. It's like driving. In the beginning, you drive slow because you're not that good at it. It takes you twice as long to get there. So... I think that's a good group of people um, that's, that could be sort of in the market for that. And then I think you, you swing to the other end of the spectrum, the veteran affiliates that want some time back. You know, it's, you know, if you're a head coach and owner in a gym and you know the business model, you can't outsource your whole job because <laughs> that's your living. And the, the affiliate business model is relatively simple. You're not, you know, you're not going to fully pull back from your gym. You're like, going to give all my roles away. Well, yeah, well, then you got to pay someone to do it. Right. So what do you actually want to outsource, right? And I think programming is, and it's, you can have become stale. You get the bias of yourself. So it's to switch it up a little bit if you've been in the game a long time. But also that same, that time value proposition comes back into play is you want to spend time with your family or, you know, at home, you know, get off your computer and spend time with your kids, you know, and that's what we see often a lot of too is that, you know, some of the veteran affiliates have, they want to invest their time elsewhere, whether it's in the business or outside. There's a lot of talk about work-life balance. And I hear a lot of talk in, in the, the CrossFit community of like, you know, as a coach, you need to, you know, as an owner, you should be taking all these like, vac I hear all these things about like, coaches should be making 80 grand a year and, you know, going on full-time vacations. I'm like, who are these people and where are they making this money? Because the, the CrossFit business model is, is as simple as you could ever imagine. You have membership revenue and you have payroll costs and you have your overhead from the business, right? right. Like, but you don't have a lot of line items. No, I mean, it's, it's literally two. <laughs> it's like, it's, 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 if you want to learn a PNL, walk into a CrossFit gym. And so I think that's where we see the other end of the spectrum for the, the vets. And that's what we see on the hand plan. We kind of see a mix of that. Um, and quite frankly, some people, you know, it's like for the affiliates that, that we've had and have moved on, a lot of them are like, hey, this was great. I've been re-inspired to program a little bit from this and taking this knowledge. And I love that. And if it makes me happy, um, cause that's, that's great. We've done that and, 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 and we've helped. That's what we want to do is help. We want to, we want to help you deliver a, a product on the floor. And the first thing I say is when this program that we give you is I want, if you want to tweak it or change it, go ahead, do whatever you want. I mean, this, let this be a outline template. It's not, you know, the code of Hammurabi here. You know, it's not just written in stone that can't be you know changed. It is, let it be guiding tenants, but you're with your people every day. You need to make that final call on the floor. This helps you do that.
Yeah. And speaking of, um, <laughs> thinking back to what you said before about uh, coaches making 80K, um, <laughs> you know, how, what is there a longevity in coaching, whether it's for a CrossFit gym, whether it's for a fitness studio? Mm. I mean, do you see folks being capable of, you know, having multiple, let's say a decade-long career as a coach? Or yeah. do you see it, like, where do you see that playing into people's work life and, and all of that? Is it a, a good part-time role? Is it something that's just a feeder system? Uh, for you know, either management or owning your own facility or yeah. going into something else. How do you view that? Uh, you know, I think that it depends on on where you're coaching. I mean, and, and what's the? It's a business, right? So look at it like this: you you walk into a a donut shop. It's a family-owned donut shop, and you're gonna get a job at. The, at, at, re, at you know at retail there your front end. Well, where do you expect to be in five years? Do, do you expect you know own the you know own the business? Are you gonna become the CMO? Probably not, right? I mean, what's what is the actual business's goal? What's their capability? I think that what has happened in this day and age is is younger coaches have taken personal responsibility of where are they, where are they working, out of the equation, and they just expect things, as opposed to okay. Now, if you go work for a billion-dollar company and you start there and you're in at an entry-level job, $32,000 a year, awesome. But next year, you get a promotion. You get a raise, and, and, and it's going to be different, right? Right. Well, you had that expectation and understanding because of it's, it's a bigger business and there's a growth plan right. in, in place. It's much larger capabilities. Exactly. And so I think that you just need to be capable, you know, aware of that. And also, it's like I, I just look at how I started, right? I walked into a gym. I said, I'd love to coach here. He laughed at me. He's like, well, I got two classes in the morning, two classes at night, and I coach all of them. I was like, well, all right. Well. So it's a no then. I said, no. Can I, <laughs> can I hang out here and, and like help clean and work out? Yeah, of course. And I stayed there until he needed me to help, and then I started coaching. And, I, and then I got my first job as a full-time coach at Albany CrossFit. I think my, my salary was like $20,000 a year. I thought I was the richest guy in the world, right? It's like, it's the best getting paid 20k full t to be a coach it's awesome because I, I was a personal trainer before that you know that's blood money it's, it's not a salary it's you know people show up or they don't so and then then hustle and then work i do think it's a grind i don't you know if you're coming into this world for you know riches i wouldn't do it um you got to love it do you want a career to make can you make 80k absolutely you make a hundred, yes. You make more, yeah. But you got to be good at what you do. Like, since when did it become a sort of this entitlement that you are gonna get paid more because you've been in the field longer? I think that's bullshit. You get paid more if you're good. And make yourself indispensable. You'll get paid. Like if you're like, no one's ever been fired for being the best. And this notion of, well, I've worked here for five years. Yeah, well, you, you, you're not that good. You're okay. But if you left tomorrow, business would be fine. I just hire someone else. I know people like hearing that. It's like time doesn't mean anything, unfortunately. And that is old school, right? It's like you, we used to work at companies every year. You get a 2% raise, 2% raise, 2% raise. Yeah, that's an old school thinking. It's old school thinking. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, but... You know, I've, been, I've been in this role for 18 years longer than you, which... Indicative, which means I'm inherently better. Right, which is not the which case. Is which is incorrect. Exactly. Yeah. So I think as long as coaches understand that, they come into the field, you need, and it's like, I, I hear it all the time, like, why would I get my level two or level three or come here? It's like, it's not going to get me more money. It's like, cool. See you later. Like, I, I, that, that thought has never crossed my mind. I've never learned more to make more money. How can you make yourself indispensable? Just, he, when you're, a part of any operation, find a hole and fill it. Find a hole and fill it. Be that person. And here, you're, you're going to lose friends. People don't like the hardest worker in the room. It's like that kid that was on the team, the Charlie Hustle Award. The kid that wasn't the best, but they always worked hard in practice. And you're like, come on, dude. Yeah, you're making us all look bad. Right. Well, imagine if everyone played up to his level, it would be a better team. Life, humans don't work that way, right? They often meet something that could be inspirational with opposition. But, so I, I think that's where you just find a hole and fill it. Grab a broom and start sweeping the floor. 
like you and and do things like hey like it's here's one of my favorite stories of, of, a, of a, one of the coaches at, at the gym I said I, I told the whole staff I said all right I want everyone to have the level three by the end of the year this was a long time ago when level three first came out the CrossFit level three um, certification he did he was the only one that did it he didn't tell anyone studied for it took it passed it because I asked him to I said why'd you do that he looked at me like I had three heads he goes because you asked me to then after that, he wanted a job on seminar staff, and he said, and, and Dave, Dave was in town, and uh, he's like, well, I was like, well, go ask him. And, I, you know, and, and one of our buddies was like, hey, you should you know, let this guy get an internship. He's well, we'll have him get his level three first. I mean, it was so early that, yeah, yeah. you know. He and, and he goes, he already has it. He goes, all right, then he can intern. <laughs> you know, and, that's cool. why, and that's why I love Dave, because he's a man of his word, and he follows through on it, right? Right. And, and he interned, and but, you know, so you had these opportunities, right? So, and I like the story because he, I said, get your level three. That's all I did. I didn't do anything. And he did it. I didn't do that. He did that himself. And he passed. He had the skills to pass. So he worked hard. He's smart enough, all that good stuff. Right place, right time. Put himself out there. Put himself out on the ledge to ask to do something because he could have been rejected. Got an opportunity. He had to show up to the internships and pass on his own. No one else can help him there. And he did. So you need to combine this, this willingness to work hard, unrelenting, no one's watching, busting your ass, but also you need to perform. And that's what separates some people from other people. Some people can't perform. It's like, if, if you've never passed a level three, then you're never gonna get on, you know, you're, never, you're not gonna get that opportunity. I, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe that just is what it is. So, and that's like, that's the world, right? Like, it's the way the world works. And I think that, People, this, well, I've worked really hard. Yeah. Well, so did this person, and he's better than you. Is that insensitive? I don't think so. I think it's pretty real. So I think, and I think if you start to understand that, you'll find your way. Right? And I think, that, and, and, and be okay with it, because it's personal responsibility. Once you take that personal responsibility, you realize that then you make yourself indispensable. Because now what happens is, I'm at a job that can't give me 80,000 a year. Just physically, the business can't support it. It doesn't mean it's a bad business. It just means you can't get where you want to go. But if you're that good, you'll find that $80,000 in some, somewhere else. And I've seen that time and time again from the best people, best people in any job. They, the next thing you know, they have opportunities everywhere. You, you, like, you ever look at people, how do they have all these opportunities? Because they made them come up. Yeah. So, and, 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 the better you are, the more opportunities you have. That's why everyone complains. Oh, look at all these people. The, 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 the wealthier, the more successful, they get more f stuff. Yeah, they're good at what they do. And when that happens, it, it, that's the way the world works. It's kind of like form follows function in a weird way. Right, yeah. And, and, and you know, it doesn't mean you can't break into that world. It's like, no, you can. You just, you know, it's the whole, like, you know, you know, you, Everyone, you know, just, just take the CrossFit Games athletes. You know, no one watches these athletes, you know, slave for five to six years training and not, like, before the games. Like, no one knows who they are. They're, that's happening five or six years before they make it to the big stage. No one cares about them for those five or six years. Nobody. Yet now they're at the top. They're, now they're the best. Take, you need to apply that same approach to your career, but you need to probably lengthen it even more. You know, and I think that's where it's, like, it's just no one's going to know or care about you for a long time. Yeah. And that's how you make yourself indispensable. And I also think you had said, you know, finding a hole and plugging it. I think another way is if, so if you can't find, and just from gyms I've researched, because I, I am obviously I'm constantly studying, you know, what's working, what are gyms doing right now to, to facilitate that type of growth? Because mm. I think people want to keep, when you have good coaches, you want to see them happy. And sometimes your business can't support necessarily paying them what you want to pay them. Yeah. Um, and you can say, all right, great. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to pay you, you know, uh, 50% more than I'm paying you now or whatever. And then you start taking on all, all the, the heat for it. And mm -hmm. I think it's better to, to, to strike a balance. A lot of gyms that I've seen have uh, used PT, of course, mm -hmm. as a way to, to hit the bottom line. If you can't, you know, find a hole, create something. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a good way to start for, for young trainers to make real money. I mean, I think that's a, I, I don't like when trainers are, when, when gyms are like, oh, like my, you know, my, my, my trainers make a hundred thousand a year. It's like, yeah, well, they're making 60 from training, personal training. You're not paying them that. You're not paying them that. Their clients are. Like, that's the thing. Like you're not paying your 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 coaches 100k. You're paying them 40. Right. And they're making 60k on their own because they're on hustling. Their own, right. That's right. And if you're taking more than 20%, you're a criminal. 
You know, like, it's just like, what do you, 20% for your facility fee. Do the math. It makes sense, right? And so I, oh, I just to slow that down because I'm, I'm slow at math. Yeah. What are you saying? So like the gym should be taking 20% at most. Right. The right. trainer should be taking from 80. the personal training yeah. revenue and then paying them on their, on top of their normal coaching classes or for their normal coaching Correct. classes. They say 40. That's right. Got it. You know, so I agree with that. And, and you know, so I look at it as if, if, if we as gym owners, you want to keep your talent. Now we have a responsibility to give them sort of opportunity to grow. So don't complain when you, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, just, I paid for their level three, but they're gonna, they, they left a year later. Well, that's your fault. You didn't give them an opportunity to grow. You're also a business, which means shit happens. People get pregnant. People get married and move, like, and there's nothing you can do about it. Be a good human and support them. You know, like, it's like, uh, like I hear it all the time. Oh, I don't want to pay for professional development. How do I know they're going to stay here? How do you think any company deals with that? You need to be a good enough company to keep them. Yeah, you, there are fail-safes in, in, in place where t- you, know, you, you can get your degree over X amount of years, so you're still getting their value out of it, so there's an ROI in the moment and all these other things. Be smart, but you know, the, the, there are those things that it's like, – so it's at, at, at Cross and One Nation, right, we have three locations, all these other things. Why do we grow? So we can give people more opportunity. It's, it's for them. You know, so now I can have a facility operator for, for each location. I can have one person that's in charge of all three locations now that, where they started out as an intern. And now they have an overarching role over three gyms. That's my job. And it's, it's exhausting and hard because you've got to keep growing to give them opportunities. So, but that's my job if I want to keep them. And, and it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder in this space to be able to do that right because it's you know brick and mortar like all retail everything is struggling it's hard everything is becoming more digitalized yet you still have a gym and and, you know we live in the boston area so it's not cheap so like those are all those things that come into play but you got to give your people opportunity so i think that's it's 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 on the gym owners to allow that it's not on because you can't expect you know a coach up and coming to be able to find that opportunity to you know they just can't it's like, all right, well, they're going to go somewhere else. So they're going to leave you, rightfully so, right? So, and, but also trust. I mean, I tell people all the time, I can't guarantee you growth. But my job is to make that happen. I might fail. I might succeed. But you got to trust at some point. If you don't like that, don't work here. So you get, you, there has to be the balance. But you know, nowadays, a lot of people want this guarantee, you know, contract bullshit. It's like, no. Well, coaches want guarantees. People want, oh, yeah, like they, they want the guarantees of like, well, what's my career progression going to look like? Like, it's just. You're going to work hard, and then over time, you're going to get better. You're going to deliver yeah, more gonna, value to more members. You're going to wake up early. You're going to stay up late. You're going to, you know. But, yeah, so I, I think that's like just the, uh, that reality check. I just say trust. You got to trust. If not, you don't need to be here. Yeah. yeah. So. Do you, do you think it's important to know what they'd like to do and to kind of keep track of that stuff? Or is it just one of those things where, you know, in, in two years, yeah, I mean, we'll see how, like, how, I guess, how controlled do you try and make those things? Because you're quite organized yeah. over at Reebok CrossFit 1. I mean, yeah. I, it's hard. Yeah, I, it's always important to know what you want, what your people want. I would say that uh, a struggle that I've always had that I feel like it's everyone has is, like, always checking in with your people. So, like, you know, if, if you work for me, I really should be checking, like, I should be having that conversation. How you doing? Where you, like, what, like, what do you want? What's next? You happy? The reality is, I mean, if you ask yourself that, most people don't know. You know, like, what do I want or whatever it might be. And, but having that conversation can be helpful. Um, and all, oftentimes, the employee in, and the coach, whomever it might be, is not willing to actually share the real information because they're afraid of repercussions. I'm on, you know, like I'm unhappy. Why? Most people won't ever have that conversation until they're ready to quit or move on because it's a very scary conversation to have with someone when you, when you're not sure what's next. So they wait till the very end and then it's kind of funky. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think it's probably because they, they feel like they're coming from a position of weakness if they don't know the answer. Exactly. And, right. Confessing that is like, yeah, I guess that's tough. That's how you build a good culture though, too, right. is, is having the transparency and the courage and the trust and right. the person you're talking to to be like, listen, I, 
I don't know. Um, I'm not totally fulfilled for reasons I can't even describe because right. they don't have an answer yet to it. Exactly. And so they come in with confidence to say, I've solved it. Right. Uh, and now I'm going to tell you. Right. And I think that's, and, 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 and I, and I think that's the piece there. And I think what's hard is that what, what gets lost is oftentimes when people aren't happy, they're, they're, they're whatever it might be, they might not know why and that's okay, but their efficacy starts to wane and that's never good for, for morale, for business, for employer, employee relations where, so if there's my one piece of advice is if your name is tied to a job, do it the best, even if you're unhappy. Because it's your reputation and your name. You do it. It's like anything. You, you, you finish the job no matter what. And, and that is so important. Because oftentimes what happens is like when people are unhappy, they, they're like, oh, fuck it. They yeah. start mailing it in. Right. And it, it couldn't be worse for you as an individual. It is, it is hands down that is the... I, I, and I see it happen, I, and, and, and you try to, you know, it, and, it, and it's slow, right? It's a slow burn, which is hard because as, a, as, as an owner, as a coach, if you're not super hands-on, which at some point you want to pull back, you're going to miss those things. Yeah, and then before you know it, you have a fucking retention problem. That's right, and you, have a, and you also have a, have a, have a you, you're going to have other problems at your, at your spaces, right? Like right. cleaning's gone down, or like members aren't happy, but you haven't heard about it because it's slow. Yeah, or the co- yeah, they start infecting you really from the inside out. Ex- that's culture. Exactly, and, and, that's, and that's tough, it's a, it, and that's where everyone's like, oh, like, you know, they talk this big game, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, if, it's, a, if it, it's happening in a way where it's super slow, that's tough. And that's always on the owner. It's, it's on you as the owner, the leader, but it's a, that, that no matter what is a difficult one. So I think that's a, and that will happen too in gyms where struggling to find the progression. People might, you know, it's, and it's usually both sides, right? Maybe struggling to find the progression, communicate with it. And then that, that coach that's struggling is just not able to understand it. And, you know, my, one of my favorites is uh, Ray Dalio. I don't know if you follow him, but I recommend following him. He's like, you know, uh, Heard of him. Started Bridgewater Capital. Principles is a phenomenal book. But he just talks a lot about like radical transparency and like just like essentially saying all of these things like if there were no like HR rules like, you know, and you could just, all right, well, you're not the right person for this job, so you're not going to be here anymore. Which in theory is like scary. Polarizing, yeah. But everyone, it's like, of course, every time that happens, everyone's like, well, it was the best conversation of my life. Changed my life. Thank you. Right. I hated where I was. But I, I didn't know how to get out. You hear all these unbelievable things. So I think um, that's, it's in a perfect world, right? It's a vacuum where there's no emotions, right? Um, but taking some of those things can be super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, we've done a good job here. It's healthy 45 minutes of this. And I, super, I mean, it's, it's been awesome. Um, I would probably bring it around to kind of a finishing question, which is what is something you're, you're really into right now or you're really excited about right now and kind of where are, you know, the next four months for you? Where's your headspace at? What are you working on? Yeah. Um, I'd say this has been a super exciting time, just with a lot of changes in the world of, of, of CrossFit. Um, you know, a lot of top line changes and which has, has brought on, like I uh, said in the beginning, um, being a part of those two courses, the coach development program and advanced coaching concepts. So essentially two seminars, but very different flavors where the ACC advanced coaching concept course is a true seminar. It's two days. Um, it's basically allows we, our goal is to teach advanced skills and drills to coaches to, to cater to our intermediate to advanced athletes in the gym. Um, and building that course with Eric O'Connor, tweaking it from what it was has been super fun you know, I've never owned my own seminar before. I've always, you know, been a part of level one, level two, which I still am. So this is a whole new ball game. Um, and then with the coaching development program, which we, um, Denise and I created a long time ago. Uh, and now we brought James into the fold, which is a hands-on in affiliate setting where we actually develop coaches that coach at our gym. And we actually now have affiliates all around the world that run our program. Um, I'm really excited to see that grow because the feedback's been super humbling and people want to be a part of it. They want to come to this. It's really, it's after all this talk, it's just nice that people reach out and they want to get better at coaching. And it gives me hope that, you know, people are all, there's a lot of people out there that, that get it, that want to get better. Um, so that's sort of been my big focus in for the past couple months and going forward is how do we, you know, get that out to people and, and get them, get them going through because we just want to make people better and, and help them deliver a better product um, on the floor. And it's cool to see that people want it. 
Yeah. So it's, and it's new, it's fun. It's like, you know, it's, we're at new seminars and, you know, it's fun to, you know, all the little back end logistics and things like that. So, you know, very complimentary to what, like the level one and level two. Um, so you, it's fun to be able to have the other side of that. Yeah. And it's in person. Yeah. Yep. yep. In person. Uh, how long is, I mean, how do, how do people go about getting synced up with you? Is it, is it a monthly retainer or is it a, a situational one time? Oh, for these uh, courses? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, these courses? yeah. So they're seminars. So like, so they, they've, the advanced coaching concept is it's just like a seminar. So you go to our website and then we have host sites. So like, um, in like next week and we actually have one in Boston. So not this weekend, but next weekend it's at, um, it's at Reebok cross at one. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we have, we have participants signed up. So it's a Saturday, Sunday course. Um, boom. And then we have another one in, you know, Utah. Then we have another one in Iowa. We've all over. So just like normal seminars. So you just go to yeah. the website and sign up there. So it's like a nice two day thing. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and then for the coach development program, it's similar, but it's dur during the week cause it's during classes. Um, and we have, we a host site here, Reebok cross one, also cross it one nation, Boston. And then we have locations all around the U S and a lot abroad. Um, so, and it's all on the website there. So you can sign up for like, you go to Drake's gym in Germany and he, and he's trained up on the CDP. So if you're in Europe, you can go there. We have one in Aberdeen. We have, you know, um, we'll have, we have one in Ottawa, one in Montreal. So yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. then what on the waves that's coming too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what on the waves 2020, yeah. tell us about, uh, when that's happening. Oh gosh, I literally just, I was on a cruise ship for seven days last week. Um, in the, the ship, um, was in the, it's, it was in the Adriatic sea. So we were, you know, beautiful area of the world, but the ship will then come up, come back over to the States. Um, April 16th of 2020 is when it leaves port in Miami. It's, it's a, it's the same con same, same exact route as last year. Um, you know, go, we, we go to Nassau, then we go to Coco Cay, which is a private Island. And then, then we're at a day at sea. Then we come back to port. And for those who don't know what exactly is what on the waves, I should have. Yes. Yeah. That. My apologies. Yeah. No, it's no. essentially just, it's a cruise ship that is ours. So it's our ship and you, you buy a ticket like next week. <laughs> and, and then you get on the ship and then essentially we just outfit the entire ship with workout equipment. So we'll have like, you know, on, on deck, on the highest deck overlooking the pool, we'll have 90, 90 machines, ski ergs, rowers, and bikes. The pull-up rig will be in front of the pool this year. We'll have dumbbells and kettlebells and runners and yoga, you name it. I mean, essentially anything you could do, you know, in a gym, we, we have it on, on the ship. So we'll have class from 6.30 to 12.30 all morning ship-wide workouts. I mean, and we also kind of flip it upside down, like all of like everything on a cruise ship that normally happens, happens. So for anyone that cruises, all the same stuff happens. We just add on to it with our own events, our own theme parties. You know, we'll have beer pong. We'll have, you know, flip cup. We'll have the fun stuff. So think about, I want to go on vacation. I want to work out and I want to be with like-minded individuals. That's kind of what the concept was. Um, so the CrossFit community is a great community because they're fit. They like to party. And it's also the hardest part is, you know, when you go on vacation, you're, you're the only maniac that wants to work out. Yeah. Here, it's all a bunch of maniacs that want to work out. And then when that's over, everyone has a good time. So um, we have a new ship from last year, a little different. So we, we mapped it out. So I was, we were on the inspection cruise last week. So I'm really fired up because it's fresh in my mind. But it's, uh, you know, our first one was last year, our, uh, this year. Our, our second one's going to be in 2020. It's going to be um, wait from just think you know, we've, we've know how to get better because we've already done it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm pretty fired up for it. So the website just went live on yesterday or two days ago. Yeah, I think registration's open. Not yet. The 16th. So the, what you can, oh, the you, website yeah, the is website's live? live and then uh, tickets go uh, live next week, next Thursday. Oh, okay. I think. Got yeah. it. So next Thursday is when close. you get tickets. Yeah. So, you know, it's nerve wracking because, you know, it's like, a you know, we hope people sign up, obviously. Sure. Um, we spent a lot of time on, you know, just getting feedback. People like, hey, we want drink packages. Cool. You can, we, we did that. Like, there are a lot of little things that people wanted. We tried to implement every piece of feedback that we heard. We, they wanted smaller classes, so we figured out how to do that. So a lot of those little things. So for everyone that was on it last year, I know it'll be, you know, 10 times better. And for people that haven't been on it and are, like, skeptical, hopefully they, you know, everyone that I've talked to enjoyed it. So I'm hoping uh, we can, uh, you know, have a good time. And then if, if it's successful, we'll be able to do more than one a year, you know, because that's, you know, why not? If you want, if you want to go on vacation, yeah, keep going. It's a vacation unlike, unlike any other. I will definitely say that because uh, I think going on it last year or like you said, this year uh, was super, super fun. And just to get some of those looks from some of the other cruise ships that were docked near us, yeah, you know, like a bunch of crazies just up on this deck, you know, rowing or skiing. Yeah. And I'm like... 
you know, the vibe on this boat is such a high energy, but it's also like right when the sunset hits, everyone's chilled right back out. It's It's a really good energy and there's a bunch of knowledge sharing. You get to meet a lot of great, really, really talented, really, really smart people, not just from the athlete side, but from the business side. So, uh, you know, not to pump its tires anymore, but if you haven't taken a look at uh, what that has to offer, head over or Google on your computer right now, Watt on the Waves 2020, uh, and you'll see the website there. As Austin just pointed out, registration is starting very, very soon. So I advise everybody to take a look at it. It's a great, great time. And, you know, with a whole year under their belt, there's no telling what type of improvements can be made. It's going to be even better. Yeah, we're fired up. Yeah, very cool. Um, Austin, listen, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Boom. So we hope you found this episode valuable, guys. If you did, we would love it if you could review us wherever you're listening to it. Give us five stars. Let us know what you liked. Of course, subscribe and share it with your friends. And don't forget to reach out to us if you'd like to be featured yourself or if you want to nominate a guest to be on the show next. You can do this by emailing us over at community at tribe.com. And that's tribe, T-R-I-I-B.com. Thanks, and we'll see you later.